0: ladies and gentlemen this episode of the podcast is brought to you by falengas gourmet and artisan cotton candy this takes cotton candy to a whole new level i'm not just talking uh flavors like cherry or blueberry no we're talking flavors like banana pickle fireball that's right i said it fireball you want to try a little fireball there you go now you can get it in cotton candy you can take it anywhere you want to go uh the best thing about falengas is it's all Gluten free, all allergy free. So, your kids got allergies, you got allergies, you don't have to worry about it because it's all gluten free, all allergy free, and your taste buds will thank you. All right. Well,
1: today, everybody, we have our guest speaker, and uh, I'd like to introduce David Maxwell. So, Dave and I go back over 18 years. And the thing about Dave is, there's a lot of things I can say about Dave. But Dave, honestly, and I mean this all in a good way. The very first time I met Dave was during my undergraduate program when I was at SUNY Brockport, New York. And I was taking all my classes towards my degree in adaptive D. His mom works at SUNY Brockport, so Dave used to be by all the time. So it's kind of, I met Dave, I believe at the games is where we first met, or your mom had done something there. Or was it when you first spoke in Lauren's class?
0: No, I think the first time I met, wasn't it? Was it in a swim and gym program?
1: It might have been. it was the adaptive PE program that we had for the kids who come in the community. And so Dave was there. And uh, you know, I'm trying to learn everything I can. And so I see Dave and uh, I see him in his wheelchair. So I figured, well, I gotta start. I, I wanna I wanna know more. So Dave and I started chit-chatting, and then we would start hanging out, and I got a chance to watch him do. Like an awareness talk, it was to a fraternity or sorority, so it was a group of students at the university. And from then on, we always just hung out. It was always a group of us, always hanging out. And then I've also got the chance to do what they call the Empire State Games, which are games for people with disabilities out in New York. Um, Long story short, 18 years later, Dave and I are still very good friends. And not only has he opened up my eyes to the world of uh, individuals with disabilities, but just the world in general. David and I keep each other in check quite often. Sometimes it's more him keeping me in check and then it reverses roles to me keeping him in check. But uh, Dave always has a really awesome uh, view of the way that he looks at things. And I can also say, because way back when, when Dave and I used to go out, it was really interesting to actually see firsthand Now, some people are just very um, oblivious, and I guess they could say ignorant, but not in a bad way, to how you should talk to somebody with a disability. Mm. Uh, Many times, Mm. they would not talk to Dave when I was standing next to the chair and was talking to me, if they could speak to him, and it's like, well, you want to talk to dude or what? I mean, so I've gotten a chance to have a lot of different experiences. and. also, be extremely aware to never ever judge a book by its cover, huh. as David had uh, made me aware. So, just because you see someone that uses a wheelchair does not mean that they don't speak, they're not intelligent, and that they cannot walk. Anyway, we'll save that for later. But I'm gonna let Dave take over. By the way, Dave is extremely successful, he's a DJ, he's also. Um, on the radio, his name is uh, Wednesdays with Wheels, and he has started his podcast. So the pandemic has brought a lot of negative things, but also there's some positives that have turned out, and they've turned that situation into something positive, and you're on uh, episode 90...
0: 90- well, this will be episode five? 94, I believe. 94. So 94 to- or 95, somewhere around there. I'd have to go back and look, but it's either 94 or 95.
1: So, uh, Dave, I'll hand it off to you. And this is my adaptive physical education class over at Golden State University in
0: Georgia. Well, thank you so much. And that's great because now the peop- people that are going to be listening to my podcast will know who I'm speaking to. And that's great. So you helped me out there. I just have to say, Dr. J, uh, the camera froze in a very uh, funny uh, uh, spot. You were talking great. about how, yeah. you were talking how people... Great people don't uh, lean down to speak with me and you were demonstrating that and it froze right in that spot. So that was funny. (laughs) If I I could have taken a screenshot of it in time, I would have. I also think we lost the person that was on the Zoom with us. Maybe they'll be back, but just so you know. All right. So uh, before we get started, let me just say thank you for allowing me to come speak to you and uh, the class. And thank you for agreeing each and every one of you to be on my podcast Wednesdays with Wheels. Um, and this is going to be our next episode. And really what I want to talk to you guys about is um, what it was like uh, and what it is like, I should say, because for me, life is not over. I live a very full and active life. But what my life was like growing up as a child uh, with cerebral palsy and what it's like now what my academic life was especially when it comes to physical education because I had some uh very interesting experiences you have to remember I'm 41 years old I've been out of uh high school now for uh, I just had my 20-year reunion last year uh so 20 years so some of what I talk about uh, I, I hope has changed I don't talking to Dr. J. I don't believe that a lot of it hasn't changed. And so when I come into your classroom and speak to you about this, it's not to discourage you, but it's to open your eyes to some of what goes on within the school setting and how you need to be an advocate for your student with a disability as much as they need to be an advocate, because sometimes they can't advocate for themselves. Their parents don't know that what the school district is telling them isn't true. The parents just take what the school district is saying as gospel. And uh, so we're going to jump into all that. But first, before we do that, let's talk about me and my disability for a little bit. So I have cerebral palsy and Dr. J, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you just told me that you just got done uh, talking about cerebral palsy.
1: We just
0: we started the lecture on cerebral palsy. So we got up to the point of that there's four different types. Right. And it's so funny. This is going to uh, sound bad, but I don't, I'm not specifically I'm not even specifically sure what those four types are. Uh, I just know that I have cerebral palsy. Now, with that being said, cerebral palsy comes in all different shapes and sizes. Right? And that's where we talk about the four four different types. There are folks that have cerebral palsy that can't uh, verbalize. Uh, There are folks that have cerebral palsy uh, that can't uh, uh, ambulate on their own or push their wheelchair on their own or anything of that uh, magnitude. And it all depends on uh, the amount of oxygen that you lost uh, during birth. Uh, and for me, uh, I was lucky. I was born premature, and I was uh, uh, wasn't breathing when I was born, and the lack of oxygen is what caused the cerebral palsy. Now I will say this: I don't have numbers, but with with the advancements in technology today, you are seeing less and less. In my opinion, Dr. Jay and I had a conversation about this the other day, and she we went back and forth about it, but they are able to determine, uh, if your lungs aren't fully developed before you're born so that they can give you, uh, um, steroids to speed up the growth of your lungs, which helps in that area. Uh, I just tell people all the time. I just couldn't wait to see the world. And I wanted to, um, I wanted to make my presence known. Uh, um, so that's you know i mean look i often tell people you can't change uh a situation sometimes you can't change the situation so you have to learn to adapt to it and overcome it now i'm going to ask you guys a question because i like this to be more of a conversation than a uh uh than me just talking to you and by the way if any at any point you guys have any questions uh Feel free to ask. Uh, but how many people sitting in the classroom today, and this would be a lot easier if I was face-to-face with you, but by a show of hands, how many people would not like to do what I'm doing right now, get up in front of the classroom and give a, an oral presentation like this, just by a show of hands? Man, y'all, I mean, unless we froze. We might have froze, so that might not work. I'm sure some of you wrote, I'm sure some of you uh you know, would not like to do this. Let's for a second, consider that your disability. Now, you can work at that to overcome your disability, right? So you can, you can uh, stand in front of a mirror and practice talking and uh, all kinds of different things to become better at speaking in front of, in front of a large group of people. So can I, there are things that I can do to overcome my disability. Uh, whether it be uh, working out, whether it be uh, 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 different uh, strengthening exercises, all things that Dr. J tries to give me to do on a regular basis, I will tell you. And I fight tooth and nail. But what I want you to do is I want you to think of it this way. If that's your disability and you can become better at it, and that's my, my disability is cerebral palsy and I can do things to become better at it. That makes me no different than you and you no different than me. And that's how we all have to start looking at, these, um, at the world, is that just because somebody has a challenge or something they have to overcome doesn't make them any less of, of a person or any less valuable to uh, uh, society. Uh, I believe uh, everybody has something they can bring to the table when we just bring it to the table in different ways. So now let's talk about um, Dr. J. Yes, yes, sir. This this class that we're we're in right now is this an adapted physical education class or?
1: Yeah, so this is the uh, physical activity for students with disabilities class. Everybody in here is a health and physical education, either teaching cert or non-teaching cert. And then I got some shaking of the head. So I'm gonna guess the other side is exercise science. So the majority, but yeah. So everybody actually is in regards to a major that has to deal with movement and physical activity.
0: Gotcha. Uh So the next next part of what I'm gonna talk to you about is if you go out after you graduate with your degree and you decide to go out and become an a physical education teacher. And uh, we're going to start all the way back at the beginning for me when I was uh, uh, little wheels, shall we say. Uh, (laughs) Now I'm a big wheels, but when I was a little wheels and I had a gym teacher or a physical education teacher. uh, You're welcome. I still call it gym. I'm sorry. She yells at me all the time. Uh, But I had a physical education teacher back when I was in elementary school who was very old school and had never dealt with someone uh, like me with a disability and never had somebody with a disability in his classroom before. So for most of my elementary school years, I would go to uh, phys ed class and I would sit on the sidelines and just watch the other kids uh, participate in, in, in the activity that they were doing on the day. That, uh, that teacher retired, they brought in a, a younger teacher, specifically when they hired him, made sure that he was comfortable with students with disabilities. And then from that point on, uh, I was involved in the mainstreamed physical education class all the way until I hit um, middle school. And then in middle school, they came to me and they said, Dave, the kids are getting bigger. They're getting stronger. They're getting faster. We think it would be better if you took adapted physical education for the first two or three years of my adapted physical education career. It went very well. I had a teacher who was very much into, uh, what she was doing and very much into adapting. Uh, things and all that kind of stuff and that went very well and then I got it then I went into high school got a new teacher and that's where things sort of fell off the rails for me just a little bit and we're going to talk about that first of all I can't ask you by a show of hands so Janine if you could help me out here because I think the camera froze uh but how many of you uh know what an IEP is
1: you're all in. oh all <laughs> better Right there.
0: and it's amazing to me the camera just started working when i asked that question so uh, must have must have wanted you to bear me to bear witness to the fact that you all know what an iep is so on uh, my iep it said that if at any point dave can participate in the mainstreamed classroom with his peers he should be uh encouraged and able to do so. The problem became that uh, in my adapted physical education class, there were two girls and me, okay? Now I had no problem going on the female side of the gym. In fact, I encouraged that at the age of 15, Uh, but uh, they wouldn't let me do that obviously. And obviously because we had two females in the classroom um they couldn't go on the male side of the gym so there's problem number one where my iep was not being met because i the the adapted physical education teacher couldn't be in three places at once so that was problem number one where my iep was not being met problem number two where my iep wasn't being met we did not have proper gym space uh A lot of times we were in the hallway, throwing a Nerf football and I was trying not to hit my uh, English teacher in the back of the head with the Nerf football, uh, unless she gave me a bad grade and then I was aiming for her. Uh, So that's problem number two. And you you might be saying to yourself, well, how do they get away with that? Not giving you uh, the proper things that you need to, to accomplish your uh PE goals and it all comes down to I believe it comes down to two things it comes down to the teacher right because I could tell you that if Dr. J was my teacher at the time that never would have happened that wouldn't have flown uh she would have been in there fighting for gym space and all of that but I also think it comes down to and this is where I talked to you earlier about parents not necessarily understanding that what the school district says isn't always, you know, you have to fight a little bit more. Um, and so, but the school district is going to try to do everything that they can to make it easy for themselves. Luckily I had parents that were, I was a very good advocate for myself. Uh, but I also had parents that were very good advocates for me and, uh, they, they fought for me, uh, on many different levels, but one of the ways they fought for me was to, um, because my uh, adapted physical education goals weren't being met. I actually, my junior year of high school, stopped taking taking adapted physical education classes and did it all outside of school um, and uh, um, through the Empire State Games and skiing programs and, and all kinds of things. And that's how I met my, and I would have to write down every month how much physical activity I did so that I could uh, get that credit in school, um, but it, it, it's, it was heartbreaking because I wanted to be with my peers and, and playing floor hockey and touch football and all that, that stuff, but uh, couldn't because of, you know, the kids were stronger and faster and as you get into high school, you know, they were sort of leaving me a little bit physically behind because of my disability. Um, but I had great programs like the Empire State Games um, and uh, the Empire State Games. How many of you and the camera is frozen again. So, but I'm sure you have all heard of uh, the Special Olympics. So the Empire State Games is just like the Special Olympics. It's just for people with Physical disabilities. So, where the Special Olympics are people with um, developmental delays, uh, ours focus. What's that? Intellectual
1: disability.
0: Intellectual disability. I'm sorry, I'm not up on all the, the, the new terms. Um, and we're, and, I, and I, also, I also want to talk to you a little bit about that, uh, too. So, remind me before this is all over that I want to talk to you a little bit about that. Um, but our program, while we focus on people with physical disabilities, we also encompass everyone because with our program, all you need to do is have some sort of physical or occupational therapy and you qualify for our program. Um, so, uh, by the way, if anybody, ha- I can't see cause the camera, you guys have great internet over there at CSU. Let me tell you, uh, phenomenal they are working on
1: it i think that's what's making it worse
0: it's like Is they're working on it it's like you're in a cave right now and every now and then it comes back in and out uh but if any to any of you have any questions at any time just uh, uh dr j you can see just raise your hand and uh dr j will stop me or uh, for the two that are in the zoom meeting with me if you want to unmute your mic and i'll keep an eye on that but if you have any questions at any time, uh, I'm the guy to ask and let's really make this a discussion. Uh, so let's talk about, because Dr. J and I have many deep conversations about certain things of, and and I do, I do understand that it's very important that when you go out into the world, you need to know the proper terms to use. So intellectual disabilities, um, all that kind of stuff, you need to know those terms. But it's interesting and I think it's great that we're having this kind of uh, uh, opportunity to you to be able to listen to me and maybe you, me to be able to listen to you because I think about it a little differently. And Dr. J and I have had many, many long spirited debates about this, uh, but I, there are certain words you should never use, obviously. But for me, as a disabled person uh, and someone who's lived with a disability since I was born, uh, the word words only a word is only given the power that we give it. So, well, you shouldn't you shouldn't use certain words. There, there's there's this thing about being politically correct and i see it every day in the in the disabled community where oh well we don't want to you know how dr j was talking about you know when people come up and talk to me they might talk right over me and so they might say that if i've been out with dr j before and they might say to dr j well what's his name how old is he um uh, and uh, it's all because people don't know that they're uncomfortable with situations that they've never been put in before. So I think sometimes what I'm trying to get at here is we're always so worried about being not offending someone that we don't get to know the situation or get to know the person because we're, we're in a situation we're not comfortable with and we don't understand it. The best way to understand something is to ask questions and I'm not saying that if you see somebody with a disability and you're not sure what disability they have, you should automatically walk up to them and start answering questions or asking questions because they might not want to answer the question. But to my disabled friends, I often say to them, you know, we often talk about, we want to be treated just like everyone else. Well, how can we expect to be treated like everyone else unless we help them to understand what it's like to be us, right? We we all come from di- we all we're all different races. We're all different uh, different religions and all. I don't know a lot about religions. I don't know a lot about different ethnicities. The only way I learn about those things is if I ask those questions. And so many times in the world today, we're afraid to ask those questions. I'll tell you an interesting story. And Dr. J made uh, mention of this in her. Uh, glowing introduction of me, by the way, which I have recorded now, so I'm going to save. Uh, but she, we were out one night and these two young ladies came up to us and were talking to me. And the one the one young lady looked at her friend and said to the other one, uh, he's really cute. Like I couldn't hear her. Like she said it out loud, but it was okay because I couldn't hear her. And I just said oh, it's really great that you think I'm cute. Can I buy you a drink? And, uh, but it's those kind of things that we deal with on, on, a, on a daily basis. Along with, Dr. J, have you ever done, I know I think you've done this in your other classes, but I don't know if, you've, if you have this uh, scheduled into your curriculum for this class, but have you ever challenged any of your students to go out into the community with like in a wheelchair or something like that?
1: Well, t- uh, Tuesday, I gave them all different uh, disabilities to limit range of motion or they were visually impaired. I don't have a wheelchair, and I mm-hmm. forgot to use one of the office chairs, but so it kind of throws it off. And so they had to do physical activities that way, Right. but I haven't had them going out just yet.
0: Right. No. It, the only reason I say that to you is because it opens your eyes to a whole new uh, world out there you guys are all pretty much able to go wherever you want, whenever you want, right? Uh, imagine someone like me, who before I make plans to go somewhere, I have to make sure that it's handicap accessible. And you might say to me, well, Dave, how, how is that possible with, with the Americans with Disabilities Act? And I don't know if uh, any of you or how many of you are familiar with the Americans with Disabilities Act, but the Americans with Disabilities was was only founded, I believe if I'm not mistaken, in 1990. So if you think of 1990, right, Dr. J? Yes,
1: you're correct. Yeah,
0: yeah. If you think about that, 1990, uh, I graduated in the year 2000. So the Americans with Disabilities Act had only been around for 10 years before I had graduated, okay? Now I ran into some specific situations where my high school, the high school that I graduated from was not ADA compliant. And in order for me to go to that high school, I needed to go in front of my school board and fight for them to make it handicap accessible. And they got me a machine that, got me up and down the stairs. And then a year after I graduated, they put in an elevator. So if you think about that, a lot of the buildings that we go into today, a lot of the nightclubs you might go into as young college students or bars or restaurants that you might go into were built before 1990. Well, if they're built before 1990, as long as they don't make any physical changes to their building to the outside of their building they don't have to become ADA compliant so that's that that's another thing that you know while the Americans with disabilities act has brought so much more freedom to f- folks like me it still has a long way to go a long way to go um and uh I encourage you um you know, I know a lot of you don't have wheelchairs at your disposal, but just hot, if you ever get the chance, just hop in one for a little bit of time and maybe even wheel around your favorite mall uh, and and try that out because I think that also helps you when you become a, uh, a, a teacher uh, because then you get to experience what your students, uh, might experience let me also tell you about um so we all know about i don't know if any of you coach after school sports or have coached a basketball team or anything like that so when i was in high school i wanted to be part of the wrestling team and i had to uh uh because other than the empire state games there was really no it's not like it is today where there's more adapted and Dr. J can speak to this as well. Uh, There's way more adapted programs out there than there were when I was coming up through the high school ranks. And of course, Dr. J has her, her great program, uh, Camp Abilities, uh, which I all encourage you to help out with or check out. But uh, we didn't have... I had the Empire State Games, but I didn't have, there weren't other programs, Uh, there was a skiing program, but other than that, there weren't, there weren't really, like, team sports you could be part of, so I wanted to be part of the wrestling team, well, when I went to sign up for wrestling, they said, oh, well, you can't, because you're, uh, you know, you're in a wheelchair, you're disabled, we can't, you know, you'll get hurt, so I had to go, once again, fight in front of, uh, I had a, go to the district doctor and he had to give me the okay and I became part of the wrestling team they never let me wrestle in a uh, in a uh, specific match but I was able to uh, I learned the sport I learned how to coach the sport I learned um, the all the ins and outs of the sport without actually ever being on the wrestling mat except when we were in practice and then I got to wrestle with my teammates, but that was fun. But it's always been a challenge, but it's a challenge that I believe in. Dr. J, maybe you can speak to this a little bit. Don't you you think it's gotten a little easier over the years? I think so. There is a lot more, there's a lot more
1: of adaptive sport out there in general. Because like even just around here, we have wheelchair football, wheelchair basketball, wheelchair team handball. We used to have power soccer. Um, now you even see more wrestling teams, either somebody that's blind or somebody that has any type of either uh, loss of limb or even paralysis wrestling. Uh, we see a little bit more of that now. I'm trying to think what else. I know in Alabama, we got a uh, wheelchair tennis team. I don't know if we have one here. I'm trying to think, Josie, what am I missing? I know on track and field, uh, even in the schools, they've had uh, students. Uh, with either uh, ambulatory issues or use a wheelchair or bike, whatever it is, track and field. So it's definitely come a long way compared to what it used to be.
0: Right. Yeah. And, uh, select, you
1: know, we'll be starting. Yeah. We do top soccer here, which is for kids with disabilities of all different disabilities, which this group is going to run uh, in a couple of weeks.
0: What kind of soccer so did you What kind of soccer was that?
1: It's called top soccer. And apparently it's an actual uh, program that I want to say nationally. Um, and so here in Columbus we have it and, uh, the soccer coach of CSU and myself get it all organized. And then this year, because of the time frame, this class is going to actually be running that soccer practice.
0: So that, and I don't mean to take away from what I'm talking about, but so that is different than power soccer.
1: Yep. Because power soccer is for people that use a power wheelchair.
0: Okay, and this is for?
1: Soccer, gonna be out on the soccer field. For gotcha. anybody with any kind of disability, we're gonna modify it, we'll,
0: we'll mock, whatever we gotta do. Gotcha, and I'm, I'm telling you, it's amazing. And now you're even seeing like, you know, we just had the, the Winter Olympics and then two weeks after the Winter Olympics, I think they might be going on right now, we're just finishing up, but the Paralympics are on and they're they're getting more coverage on TV. So more people are being exposed to uh, things like that. Uh, So that's great. Uh, Let's move away from just adapted physical education just for a little bit. And and again, if you have any questions, raise your hands and Dr. J will help me out. But let's talk about, I wanna talk about everyday life for just a second. And I mentioned it, how people talk to you and all of that stuff. But I I also want to give you some other examples of some some things that have happened to me um, that you might, after I tell you, you might be like, there's no way in the year 2022 that that's still happening to you. But it is. And it's just because I often think people, like I was saying, people are, they don't know how to approach somebody uh, with a disability. So sometimes it can be a little awkward. Uh, I've had people, not so much now that I'm a little bit older, but when I was younger, just come up right behind me and just, they see me struggling or what they would deem me struggling to push my wheelchair and they just start pushing. Uh, And that's very uh, off-putting when somebody just comes up behind you and starts pushing your wheelchair. You're like, what did I do? Where am I going right now? Uh, but things like that have happened people also I, because I sit so much shorter than them them a lot of times will pat me on the top of the head like I'm looking for a dog treat you should never do that uh, you know just come up and say hello how you doing uh, I will be the first one to ask for help if I need it I have no problem doing that okay. what would you say Dr. J no,
1: I just switched the view to speaker view, and now it's better. Now you're taking off
0: the whole screen. Oh, all right. All right. I thought you were going to make some comment about me asking for a lot of help, because she says that I don't push enough, and I need to do more. I, I, you know, I was just I was
1: letting you go on that one. That's all. I was letting
0: you finish. Yeah, and I'll tell you a funny story. I'll tell you a funny story about that in, in just a few minutes about... Dr. J and I, and about the first time she realized that I could actually uh, walk. Uh, it's a pretty funny story yeah. that she likes to remind me. Um, but, uh, you know, don't talk over somebody with a disability. So don't say, don't. if I'm in a group of people, don't say how old is he, what's his name, things like that. We can answer for ourselves. And if we can't, you should still address the person. And even if they can't speak for themselves, the person that's with them after you address them will then uh, help them out. Um, I had an interesting experience a couple years ago, just before the pandemic all started, where I was at a restaurant and it is hard for me to cut up because of my hand dexterity and all of that stuff. It's hard for me to cut up my own food. Uh, So oftentimes when I go to a restaurant, I will say to the waiter or waitress, when I order my food, before you bring it out in the back, can the chef cut it, cut it up for me? And most times it's not a problem. And uh, this one particular time I asked for that to happen and I had ordered my own food. I was with my mother and my sister and uh, my nieces. And uh, she, the waitress looked right over me and said uh, to my sister, should we get him the rattlesnake bites off the kids menu because they already come pre-cut up. Now I wouldn't have had a problem if she said that to me but she didn't even address me. She looked right over me and addressed my sister like I couldn't speak for myself. So that was very, and that was during a very challenging time in my life. So I didn't handle it quite well, but um, you shouldn't, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't think that it's amazing because I'm on a local radio show here in Rochester, New York. And a lot of times people will comment to me on Facebook or on social media or even in person. You're so happy. How do you have such a positive attitude? As if because I'm in the wheelchair, I should be sort of, they're amazed that I smile and that I'm living a full life and I often say to them, well, what should I be doing? Sitting in the corner uh, crying? Because I can't change it. We all have things that we deal with. It's just how you choose to deal with them. Uh, I often speak to uh, kids in elementary schools. And one of the questions I'll often get from them is, well, why can't you walk? And of course I can't tell them, we can't talk like we're talking here and say, well, I have cerebral palsy and there's four different types of cerebral palsy. So I often, and you guys might even be too young to understand this and I don't think so, but it just does show my age. But have you been in a car and when you're not streaming your favorite music from Apple Music or wherever you might, or your favorite podcast, which by now should be Wednesdays with wheels, I'm just saying. uh, um, When you're streaming your favorite podcast, but if you're ever listening to the regular radio, and you know when you, you get, I often explain my disability this way to kids, when you get further and further away from your favorite radio station, the signal gets a little fuzzy. Well, that's what happens to me. My brain sends the signal to my legs that it's time to get up and walk. But by the time that signal gets from my brain down to my legs, we've lost the signal, and it's all fuzzy, and and uh, we're, we can't hear our favorite uh, Justin Bieber song anymore. <laughs> uh, so that's how I try to explain it to kids, because kids ask the kids aren't like adults; they're not afraid to ask questions. I I went into I'll tell you a funny story. I went into a, a classroom of, uh, I think they were like fifth graders, and I said to them, like I said to you guys earlier, how many of you don't like to do your homework when you're when you get home from school? And everybody's hand shot up in the air, and I said, I said now listen, don't go home. I said that's your disability, but the more you work at at doing your homework, the easier your disability becomes, and I said. Now, don't everybody run home and tell their parents you can't do your homework because you're disabled. And the kids all started laughing. But at the, end of the, the, at the end of the talk, I understood that the kids got what I was saying because one little girl raised her hand and said, well, I was disabled once because I, I stubbed my toe and it was everything I could do not to laugh. And then another little boy raised his hand and he said, I was disabled once. Uh, I broke my arm. But I understood that they understood. So if we can, if we can, when I was younger, when I was in elementary school, kids didn't notice the difference in me. It wasn't until I got to be in high school and things got a little more difficult for me and kids were playing sports that I couldn't play that, that you started to see the difference. Um, let me tell you the funny story about me and Dr. J. your um, side? Uh, huh and i can't
1: wait to hear your rendition oh
0: well listen feel free to chime in whenever you think i'm wrong um uh, no, 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 no,
1: no.
0: but we went to i we went to the movies am i right
1: yeah
0: yeah it was uh, it was the movies and uh there was like four or five of us we'd all become really good friends and probably at this point had been hanging out for what six months seven months something like that and uh yeah, yeah, at least
1: Dave. It was one of the last nights we got to go out.
0: Yeah, Over might have, might season. have even, might have been even almost a whole year, and yeah. uh, we were, we went to dinner and we're gonna go to a movie, and I still remember the movie. It was with uh, Holly Berry, and it was Catwoman, and uh, we, uh, they said, well, we'll sit down front uh, for the handicap uh, section, and I said. No, because then you got to hold your neck up and look up at the screen the whole time. I'm not doing that. I said, I'll walk up the steps. And they all looked at me uh, dumbfounded. And they were like, you can walk? And I was like, yeah. And uh, and I walked up the stairs and Janine, Dr. J, just tell them from your perspective what you thought.
1: But I told him, I said, because you and I went to that same movie theater, and I had to push you up that lovely, accessible ramp that had three freaking levels to get Oh, uh, yeah,
0: but there was no way I was getting up that ramp on my own.
1: No, well, anyway, that was a workout just for me, but when we got to the movies, we did say, you know, Dave, where do you want to sit? He, I do remember you saying, I don't want to sit right in the front, because you got to look up, and when... When you said, well, I'm going to sit up there about walking up the steps, we all kind of looked at each other like, okay, all right, we're going to transfer. So we're getting ready to figure out who's going to, which two are going to do a two-person transfer. And here goes Dave, just popping out of his chair, walking up the steps. I'm like, really? Well, yeah. anyway, that's how I remember it.
0: Yeah. And all through, all through middle school, I used my walker to get around, uh, school like I had my wheelchair next to me and I had a note taker that would take my notes and carry my books and all that stuff but all through middle um, all through middle school I used my walker to get every place I wanted to go um, and then once I got into middle school and I needed that machine to get me up and down the stairs it was just easier to to do it from the wheelchair and then uh, over the pandemic uh, the two years, for a good solid year because of, uh, COVID I didn't really leave the house because of the uncertainty. And so over that time, like I started using my Walker again and was doing really well on that and was up to about a half hour a day. And then I started having some issues with my hand, uh, and wasn't able to do that. And then I just recently recovered from a broken hand, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much, uh, the only thing that I can't really do, and I want to jump into this a little bit before we run out of time, and I want to give you a few minutes to ask any questions you might have. Uh, the only thing I really can't do to make, the last piece to make me completely independent, uh, would be driving. And in New York, I don't know how it is where you guys are from, but in New York State, in order when you're disabled, in order to get your license, you have to take special driving uh, lessons. So I went and I I, uh, passed all the preliminary tests that they give you, they check your your reflexes, your peripheral vision, all that stuff. In fact, the person that gave me that test said, I've never seen somebody with your disability that has it all together like you do, you're gonna uh, fly through this with flying colors. Uh, fast forward I go for my first lesson. My instructor is six months pregnant at the time. Uh, she says to me, Dave, I want you to get in the uh, I want you to get in the driver's seat. So it took me a few minutes to get in the driver's seat because I had never done that before. I'd get in the driver's seat. And then she says, I changed my mind. I want you in the passenger seat. So I transfer over to the passenger seat, buckle my seatbelt up. She gets in the driver's seat. She backs the car up about three inches. And the whole passenger seat tips over backwards with me in it. So now I'm laying there uh, flat on my back. I have to undo my seatbelt, climb up onto the bench seat in the back. At this point, she starts hyperventilating and sweating. I think she's going to have the kid right there. And uh, so that was my first driving lesson. And then I went back about three weeks later and I said, I'm a little nervous to get in the car with you. And she said, Why? And I said, Were you not there last week when I tipped out of the chair? So I went back six months later, got a new instructor. He put me in the way back of the van, you know, like the bus tie downs. You guys have seen them on the bus. Put me in the way back of the van, tied me down to the floor. He said, But I've never tied anybody down to the floor before. So I'm gonna have my boss come out and do it. She comes out, ties me down to the floor. He gets in the front seat. Backs the wheel or the van up about uh, three inches, and the whole wheelchair tips over backwards with me in it. So three times I was in the car, and three, two out of three times they managed to tip me over. There is another reason I I don't drive, and that's because, and you've touched on the different types of um, cerebral palsy, but with my disability, I am very spastic. So you could come up behind me with the uh, softest voice possible and say, Dave, how you doing? And I could literally jump out of my skin. Uh, So I don't know that it's a good idea that I drive because I don't need to end up three lanes over from where I'm supposed to be and cause a big wreck. Um, And, you know, that is one of those things. That is one of those things. Not everything about me is you know you're i'm very optimistic and very positive i would say 90% of the time but there are there are times that i you know that you do say to yourself i, w- I wish i could just go to the refrigerator and and grab a, a a cold one out of the refrigerator and i wish it wasn't so difficult but at the end of the day we all have uh, challenges I guess that's the moral of what I'm trying to get across to you is treat everybody the way you'd want to be treated because we all we all have our challenges some are easily seen like mine and obviously some are not um but at the end of the day like it's interesting I heard you guys before we started talking I think some of you were talking about TikTok and I wish I could find. Well, there is one. Per, there is one TikToker that I'm going to uh, encourage you to go look up, and it's their name is Delby. They go by Delby. So if you just type in D L, uh, and then I think it's uh, uh, B E, you'll find them. And they're an interable couple, and I've had them on my podcast, and they do a lot of talking about what it's like being in an interable relationship and all this stuff. But there's another one, and I wish I could find it because I just found him the other day, and uh, uh, he runs a can. He's disabled. He's got cerebral palsy. His wife is not. Uh, but they were. They did this interesting TikTok where they. Uh, it said, "Do you get offended when people with disabilities say my disability does not define who I am?" And I watched this TikTok four or five times, because as a person, I wanna say my disability does not define who I am. It doesn't define all of me, but it is part of who I am. And so the more we can break down that wall and have people not be afraid of all types of disabilities, uh, such as uh, visually impaired and blind, autism, uh, the whole gamut of, of disabilities that are out there, uh, uh, the better off we are as a society to just treat everybody the same. So with that being said, we've got about, we're going till four, right, Janine? Yeah. So we've got That'd about be- five minutes. Maybe we we'll go a little longer if anybody's got questions. Anybody got questions? Hey. Anything you could ever want to ask, I'm the guy to ask. So fire away. Now, listen, hey, I just. I'd
1: like to know, Dr. J told us to ask you about an incident that happened when you went to a bar recently, and so she told us to ask you about that story. I don't know exactly what story it is, but oh, when me. you went to the bar, but you yeah. said finally this has been done because it hasn't been
0: done. Oh, wow. That's great. I didn't even think about that. Why? I didn't even think about that to bring that up. So, I don't know, I'm sure we both, you college kids, I'm sure you've all been to the bar, you've had some fun nights out with your friends. I have a lot of fun <laughs> nights out with my friends and faculty. In fact, I'm not gonna lie to you, uh, that's how I recently broke my hand, was I had a little too much fun out with my friends. and, <laughs> and Came home and misjudged the wheelchair and landed on my hand and, had to have surgery because they had to put a plate and two screws in my hand. And by the way, for a guy in a wheelchair, when you break your hand, all you can do is circles. So <laughs> that's fun. Uh, uh, yeah, I'll be here all week. Uh, so, the But I went to, and I'm going to give it, it's interesting because the same story that I told you about the, the waitress who... Uh, asked my sister if they should give me the rattle snake bites. Uh, It was the same restaurant where two years ago or three years ago, when that happened, flash forward three years later, and I go to the same restaurant. And one of the most amazing things that had ever happened to me happened. So I'm going to give a shout out to the restaurant. And it's, uh, it's uh, Texas Roadhouse. And I was there on Valentine's day with, um, with, uh, a friend of mine, in uh, air uh, and uh, it's crowded, so we're waiting for a table. And we go over to the bar and we get a drink, and we're sitting at the end of the edge of the bar. And she's up on a bar stool, and I'm in my wheelchair, so that's a little awkward in itself. And then all of a sudden, the bartender comes over and he says, uh, uh, "Hey." slide over to the other side of the bar for me. Those people are leaving and we have a handicap accessible bar." And I'm like, what? I'm like, so I wheeled over there and I'd never seen anything like this before. And they were on, it was on hinges. And so two of the, two of the staff that worked there went underneath the bar and lowered the hinges and then it lowered right down so it was level with me so that I didn't have to just sit there and peer over a bar. I could actually see over the bar and my, put my drink right in front of me. And, and it was really, uh, really a cool experience for me and something that uh, you guys would probably take for granted uh, and as well, you should, because you know you're not faced with these challenges every day, but for someone like me, it's those simple things uh, in in life that that uh, you you finally think to yourself, wow, we are making some progress as a as a community and as a society in in uh, recognizing people with different disabilities. Now that is not to also say that I believe that uh, because I have some friends that are um, uh, I don't just believe. And this Dr. J and I have discussions about this too. And she comes at it from a different perspective and I understand it. But I have some friends that think if something is available to the masses, it should just be available to people with disabilities too. In a perfect world, I would love that to be the case. But I also know the, like, if you're talking like Uber, let's use how many of us, any of you use Uber to get around? probably quite a few of you, right? I can use Uber. I can use Uber because I can get in and out of my wheelchair, transfer in and out of the car. There's some folks with disabilities uh, that can't. And I had one friend of mine who said, uh, who was on uh, um, when Uber was coming to my area saying, well, if it's not available for people with disabilities, we shouldn't have it at all. It should absolutely be available for people with disabilities. But when you're asking people that are Uber drivers who are private contractors to go out and buy handicap accessible vans, um, right now that's just not feasible in smaller markets. In bigger markets like New York City and stuff like that, they do have it. So I think just as a disabled community, well, we want things to be as open to us as possible. We also have to help people to understand how to do that and to understand that it might take a little longer for it to happen. But that is the, that was a great story. And thank you uh, for reminding me of that because that made my night when I was able to sit at the bar like everybody else. Anybody else got any other questions? I got a question. Sure, go on what's your favorite
1: hobby
0: what's my my favorite hobby well i gotta tell you i'm a big i'm a big card player so i love to play texas hold'em and uh i have my dr j made mention of it earlier i have my own uh dj business so i like to get out there and dj a little bit don't do that as much as i used to anymore just because i can't set up the equipment myself and all of that stuff uh but definitely playing cards going to concerts I love going to concerts and uh I just love being uh social and uh and uh and being out there with people and and all that kind of stuff but yeah I definitely love to play cards go to concerts I do some stand up comedy uh I I'm going to be performing here in Rochester in uh April uh Uh, So I do some stand up, sit down comedy (laughs) Uh, and I've opened and I've opened up for uh, people like I was talking about earlier, Josh Blue, um, uh, a very funny guy by the name of Earl David Reed. And, you know, comedy is one of those things. I do a lot of self deprecating humor and sort of making fun of my disability because there's one thing that I, there's one mantra that I live by. If you can't laugh about it, ladies and gentlemen, you can't live with it. Okay. It's not going to change. So you might as well laugh about it because some days that's the only way to, to uh, make your, get yourself through it. And uh, it also, if, if I'm telling jokes about it, it makes other people comfortable enough to then ask questions about it. And it just opens up the dialogue. So. I need a quick joke. I need a quick joke. Oh, you see, you can't put me on the spot like that, though. That's not fair. Uh, uh, you know, this one's going to be, this one's going to, I don't even know. If you, what's the average age range of this class in here? 20 to 30. 20 to 30, yeah, just too over. But has anybody ever seen that movie White Man Can't Jump with Woody Harrelson and Wesley Snipes? Well, I often say that I'm the true meaning of White Man Can't Jump. That movie was about me. They wanted to give me the role, but I said Woody Harrelson needs it more. Yeah. So it's just a lot of things like that. I tell a lot of stories, like when I fell out of the wheel. Uh, when I when I fell driving, I tell a healing story. Uh, I tell about trips to the mall. I'll tell you a really quick story. I went to the mall one time and uh, I was sitting in the food court eating eating food. True story. I use it in my comedy, but true story. I couldn't, couldn't make it up if I tried. Sitting in the food court uh, uh, and I'm eating some Chinese food and this guy comes up to me and he goes, do you know why you're in a wheelchair? And I go, I don't know. Maybe the doctors were wrong all along. Why don't you tell me? He goes, you were mean uh, to, or you're in a wheelchair because you were mean to people in a past lives who were in wheelchairs, and I and I looked at him and I go, well, you must have been mean to ugly people, because you're pretty freaky, <laughs> and and he and he got so mad at me, and uh, yeah, so just just that kind of stuff, but poking fun at myself, poking fun at. Uh, I went and saw, anybody ever heard of Sebastian Maniscalco? He's a very famous comedian. Oh he's awesome. Have you seen him? I just went to a show three months ago, and he does this whole skit in his show about how we're so politically correct nowadays. And if any of you have seen Sebastian, I'm not going to do the joke any justice because he jumps around the stage and he uses hand motions and all that stuff. But he, he will often say, he was saying, we're so politically correct nowadays that do you know that when you list a house on the market to sell, you can't even say that you have a walk-in closet because that might be offensive to somebody in a wheelchair. And so I'm sitting there and I'm sitting, I'm sitting, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sitting in a regular seat. So nobody around me knows I'm in a wheelchair. And I'm dying laughing because I can relate to this, how politically correct we are. And so everybody's looking at me like, it's a funny joke, but it's not that funny. And I'm dying. And then my phone starts blowing up. And every all my friends who are at the show, who I'm not sitting with, say to me, can we show you our walk-in closet? <laughs> uh, you know, so it's, it's just, I find humor like that funny. Anytime you can pick on yourself and not take life so seriously is really the the, the moments in life that I find uh, most humorous. Before I get out of here, uh, I'm just gonna do this. First of all, any last questions? I didn't think so, unless we got anybody, but I didn't okay, think- I have didn't... any questions
1: seriously? please gotta ask.
0: No. 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 Okay, quiet. no problem, no problem. So what I'm going to do for you guys is I want you to look me up on Facebook. Uh, And uh, it is uh, David Maxwell. You can also look up my uh, Wednesdays with Wheels page on Facebook, which is just Wednesdays with Wheels. I'm also on TikTok uh, at wheels underscore 951. I believe it's the same thing for, uh, it might just be wheels 951 on TikTok, but I think it's wheels underscore 951 on Twitter. I don't do much on Twitter because I'm old and I don't understand all the shorthand and all the stuff that goes on over there. But those are the ways to connect with me. Uh, If you have any questions that you didn't feel maybe comfortable uh, asking in front of everybody or You have some, a lot of times, I'll tell you what happens to me. I'm gonna hang up from this call right here and I'm gonna say, oh man, I should have talked about that or I should have talked about this. So if there's any questions that maybe you didn't think about at the time, but you wanna ask, um, feel free to do that. I will also tell you that sometimes something that I say, I'm helping you out here. So just thank me later. Something that I may have said in this talk may show up on a quiz later. So keep some of this stuff in the back of your mind. And if there's any any project that you need help with that I maybe have to focus about on cerebral palsy or, or disabilities in general, uh, feel free to reach out to me. Uh, uh, Dr. J has my phone number. I'm not going to give that out here because I am recording this for the podcast, but if you need anything along those lines, happy to help you there too. And thank you guys so much. Uh, for uh, sitting here with me for the last hour and, and uh, having a conversation. Dr. Thanks, let you take over. I appreciate
1: it. Thanks.